everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneur Rx, where we help healthcare professionals own their future. Hey there, and welcome back to Entrepreneur Rx. This week, we're really happy to welcome Dr. Naveen Goyal. He serves as CEO of Loud Capital, and he's really driving the vision of how entrepreneurship, education, and investment can positively impact people, business, and society. And just and just honestly, I had the chance to chat with Naveen a little bit before he started, and I want to be him when I grow up. And since he's <laughs> a lot younger than I am, I'm probably screwed. But anyway, Naveen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate what you do, what you discuss, what you've been writing about. So I'm excited right. to have this conversation. All right. So, so just by way of background, because I think people are going to hear your story and say, that's kind of badass. Let me figure out how I can do it. How did you go from... So first, I want your medical background, medical education, kind of all the, all the usual stuff. Yeah. So wanted to be a physician all my life, ended up going to undergraduate at The Ohio State University here in Columbus, where I reside right now. Uh, I went to medical school at University of Cincinnati, and then I did anesthesiology at the University of Chicago for four years. I ended up not doing a fellowship, which was counter to what my program director and many others were telling me to do, and got a private practice job at a large hospital system here in Columbus. Very good. And so you so you did that, and you mentioned earlier that you did some angel investing. Was that right out of residency? Oh no, it took me a while to catch up on expenses, use my time wisely after passing the final board, and you know, getting used to having some um, headspace. And so then I started reading and learning about business and entrepreneurship, reading the business section of the Wall Street Journal, getting inspired, and then asking myself. Why can't I have a piece of those companies that I'm hearing about that are going public or a brand that I'm hearing about? And I heard there were a round of early investors. So a few years into my private practice, I started catching up on some extra capital. And then I started investing as an angel. And were you pretty successful out of the gate with that? Did you have some decent exits? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I, I threw money at a few things. Uh, they puttered out. And, and the thing about angel investing, right, it sometimes can take a while. So you can be excited for a while and, and think things are going great. And then three years later, they're like, oh, we're shutting down. That's what happened. But what's interesting is it didn't turn me off because I always knew that was the risk. But I learned, hey, what would I have done differently? And, and I mean, philosophically, that's really it, right? It's, it's learning about it, not turning you off because there is an opportunity and so what would I do differently? And that's what I've been doing. I've just shifted. I've gone, obviously, this is my life now. But um, yeah, I just continue to angel invest uh, even to this day. And so, okay, so back up on the angel investing, because this will, this will strike people. When you look back on it, did you back the wrong idea, the wrong entrepreneur? Was it the wrong timing, wrong execution? Could you, could you summarize it, anything? Yeah, of course. I think when I look back at it, I invested in particular early stage companies. At the time, I didn't know what obstacles were ahead of them. And by the way, knowing what I know now, there are a zillion obstacles in front of you. And who is around them, whether it's the founding team, whether it's mentors, whether it's other investors, or whether it's you as an investor, who's going to help knock down those obstacles? And the investments I made were in um, either a solo founder or a group of founders that didn't have an established great network or mentors around them, or they were perhaps had a personality where they weren't going to drive to get those mentors. So I look for those things, the, the, the network, the team itself, their capabilities, 
on handling the obstacles that were come. And my mindset shift is actually back then, I didn't even know that there was all these obstacles ahead of them. So I think that's one of the things I've learned. Um, I know that's kind of a broad answer, but that's kind of how I look at a, an investment. No, you know, I always talk about this, but it sounds like part of it is simply resilience. It's it's basically working through the obstacles or turning the obstacles into advantages. Yeah, absolutely. And those industries I invested in were are are valid. They're validated. There's other companies that are doing similar or different things in that industry and they're doing well. So I don't think it was a bad idea. I think there's a lot of great ideas, but the idea is just the start. It's a seed. There's so much more that needs to grow um, from it. And there's factors that you can control. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, in the, the book that I wrote, we're going to talk about your book, but it's, you know, I always say ideas are easy. I mean, everybody has ideas. And going from idea to execution to exit is a long, arduous, yeah. obstacle-filled path. Yes, totally agree. Okay, so you grew up, always wanted to be a physician. That, that was my mode as well. When did you all of a sudden say, wow, there's this entrepreneurial world out there that I'd like to explore? Was it later? Yeah, it was later. I, I absolutely put my head down. I did not even know anything about really business or entrepreneurship. I was so focused on becoming a doctor. And once I was one, I was like, this is good. I'm good. And it was that period where I started reading about entrepreneurship and articles and different things in practice. And then when I started angel investing, which, you know, you have skin in the game now, you care more. I started learning more. I had an opportunity to start a company called SmileMD in 2014. So this is several years into practice. Um, being an anesthesiologist, I knew the anesthesia part, but I didn't know the business part. But there was a few dentists that approached myself and my co-founders of SmileMD about starting to do anesthesia for the patients that they see at their practice. So we saw the opportunity together. We encouraged each other and we moved forward on this idea. We had no clue how to do marketing, legal, even a financial model, like how do, what do we charge and how do we even collect money? Uh, and obviously the whole legal aspect of, of doing patient care in this country is, is not easy. So we learned by doing, and, and that is something I encourage people to do, just move forward on something. There's an idea, you're never gonna feel amazingly prepared. And I think our world of physicians, you know, we are specialized, we've studied so hard, and now we feel perhaps that you need to study and learn that hard uh, for other things to move forward. And I think it's completely opposite. You just need to be comfortable not knowing, move forward. You have a good intention. You think about things and then you figure things out. I mean, I think that's one thing I love to tell people. Yeah, it's, it's the comfortable with uh, somewhat ambiguity or imperfect information. I mean, for me, emergency medicine is, you know, relatively quick decisions with imperfect information. Do you think anesthesia plays into that as well? I mean, certainly trauma anesthesia does. But do you think that that mindset, the anesthesiologist mindset, lends itself to entrepreneurism? I do. I mean, in fact, you know, globally, I do see a lot of anesthesiologists doing other things outside of medicine. I wonder if that also has to do with more of a shift work mentality where when you're not at work, you're not getting called from patients or you're thinking about necessarily patient care. So perhaps you have more mental space to do other things, or it's still considered, I believe, a, a lifestyle career compared to others. So those are a couple of things that I've noticed. I mean, obviously I can only speak to myself, but I have seen a lot of other anesthesiologists do other things and, and that might be conducive to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, where I see it is, I mean, there's a lot of neurosurgeons or entrepreneurs and that's certainly not a lifestyle career, but the lifestyle practices, EM, radiology, anesthesia, you know, kind of the shift work certainly yeah. lends itself to it. 
What, what's the neurosurgeon observation, by the way? I mean, yeah, I work in places where there's a lot of neurosurgeons and, and those men and women are always coming up with these entrepreneurial ideas and patenting different things they use in their practice. And I'm amazed at how much they do with how little time it appears that they have. Huh. Do you have a hypothesis on that? That's really interesting. No, they're all really smart. That's my hypothesis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so, so what happens with SmileMD? So you started as going forward and then you make this huge leap at least in my mind, to start doing venture capital, which is like I said, I want to be you. So how was that? How did that leap of faith come about? Yeah. So as we're, and this is back in 2014, you know, for the next several months, we're learning a lot. We plug ourselves in the entrepreneurial community in Columbus here, um, which again was, was very, is still as a very growing and energetic community. So I ended up meeting a lot of other entrepreneurs who were doing incredible things. I was a kid in a candy store suddenly, by the way. I was learning for SmileMD. Then I was like, wait, what are you doing? Holy, you know, this is yeah. crazy. What did you used to do? You, you used to work over here and then you left the, your job to pursue this greater purpose that you feel or this passion that you know there's something there. Number one was inspiring to me. Number two, I got to know them personally, which was very relatable. These aren't people who are just, you know, so crazy, super smart or so crazy different that you can't relate to them. So one thing that commonly they said was, but we need funding. You know, we have this, we need to build this tech, but we need funding. And it's really hard to get funding, or I've been having trouble getting anyone to invest in me. So me being an angel investor, we were fortunate enough to self-fund SmileMD as it was in, the, in its infancy. However, I said, wow, well, I mean, I don't have any more money to invest, but I think there'll be other people I know who would be interested in this. And of course, I was also, you know, I'm a, I'm a talkative person and I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship. I would constantly talk about in the hospital about investments. I would talk about uh, the SmileMD journey and wow, we're building something that's really cool. And so people kind of looked at me as a resource or a quote unquote business person. And they said, anytime you see these kind of deals, Naveen, I would be interested. So that's when kind of the light bulb came on. I was like, you know, why don't we just start a fund? And I say we, because my co-founder of Loud Capital is uh, his name's Darshan. He was an entrepreneur on the Columbus community doing it for a long time. And he was a little frustrated because there wasn't a lot of people raising capital to fund the great entrepreneurs he was working with. So me and him kind of just started talking. I was you know, surprised that it was that hard to find capital, again, being naive and new to the community. But I said, I have a lot of physicians around me, people who are interested, but really busy you know, to potentially invest in things like this. So we started a fund. And at the time, I had to look up like, what is really a fund? What does that mean? So learned about it, read about it, spoke to some attorneys on it, and we created a fund. And that fund had about, it was like a small angel fund, but it was about 10 investors, many of whom I knew at the hospital. And then we invested, ended up investing in seven companies from that fund back in 2015. And so that was originally the, to basically help the entrepreneurs because they were the great people. I wanted to see them funded. And then the investor side, which were a lot of my circle, were just saying, gosh, how do I get involved? How do I get a piece of this? I really want to put money towards something. And we be became connectors. But one thing that happened, I'll tell you, is after we made the investments, the entrepreneurs, number one, were extremely grateful. They said it was so hard to find funding, believing in us. I will not let you down. I'm going to work my tail off. Oh, and by the way, what do you think about this? So then we became like, you know, soundboards and just trusted resources to help them navigate some of these obstacles. And, you know, 
who am I at the time? Again, I'm a, I'm a physician. I'm just starting SmileMD. I'm just learning. But guess what? I'm a relatively intelligent person. I'm hardworking. I'm very interested in entrepreneurship. That is helpful to people, right? If I'm navigating a new journey with my newly funded company, we need each other just to knock off ideas and, and, and just say, is this good? Or is this bad? What should I do with this money? What's your experience with this? And, and that's how it started. And it became so much more. And from my standpoint, I was very excited. And it just had this level of fulfillment that I did not expect. I thought it was more opportunistic. Hey, I'm going to make some money. This makes sense. I'm making both sides happy. But it became so much more. That is really cool. Now, so it sounds like you're doing early stage seed rounds, series A. Yeah. So we were originally doing very early stage and seed round, I would say. Um, Now we're doing seed round. We're doing series A. Uh, We're even leading rounds now. But we don't do only healthcare, and and that's a that's actually my favorite question because especially physicians and and people exactly. in the healthcare field like oh so you're doing healthcare no um, actually we're industry agnostic we do a lot of different things we do education technology we do manufacturing we do a lot of different things and I'll tell you the next question is going to be well how do you know about those fields number one I've learned a lot about them I'm hopefully humble enough to know that I don't know enough. So let me get people around me, whether it's mentors, whether it's people I know who are really working an expert in this field. And let me pull you in and see what your thoughts are. Like we've done, we've had cybersecurity pitches where I don't know enough and I still don't. And I still think it's very complex, but I know there's something there. I know there's value there. And so I've pulled a couple of people who've run companies into our pitches. They give some immediate feedback to say, yeah, you know what? This is actually a huge you know, long road. And so it's about surrounding yourself with that talent and even plugging in mentors when you do invest. And in Loud Capital, the name came from being loud and active investors. There's plenty of silent investors. There's plenty of quote unquote silent money, but there's not enough active mentorship money. And that's where Loud Capital wants to be different. So we've even invested in a company where we took one of our mentors who was helping facilitate it. And he's now on the board of that company. And there, it's like, it's a win-win because you're not just helping the entrepreneur and you believe in them, right? From an investor side, you're also mitigating risk, right? The whole thing is to make money. But my thing is, if you can drive a purpose and then profit around that from the business model, then you have a win-win situation. Wow. How many funds have you done now? So we're on our fourth venture capital fund, but you know, early on, we, we realized that not everyone, number one, knows about venture. So I do a lot of education and talking on it, why, why venture is exciting, why I consider it an asset like many other things. But we realized that there was other opportunities that we should be providing for investors. Being in the Midwest back in especially 2015, 2016, people were just scratching the surface on what angel investing and venture capital was because you have a very younger ecosystem here in the Midwest compared to the the West and the East. And so we started offering something called Merchant Cash Advance, or now it's known as revenue financing. So is it factoring? Yep. Well, it's 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 technically now factoring, but it's in that class, basically. And so from an investor standpoint, hey, I have capital and I want to make this work at a higher rate than my bank's giving me, but I don't want to take the risk of investing in an early stage company. So we started that back in the day, and that's a very active part of our business. So we have companies from across the country and we have a lot of investors who put in money. But eventually, as they start learning about alternative investments and basically, you know, because I look at the public markets as 
it's out there. People know about it. People know the stock market, but a lot of people don't realize how much risk they're taking with the public markets. Or if it's lost, it's somehow acceptable because it's a public thing. But the private markets is obviously a spectrum. And so how do you curate a brand or curate vehicles that are in the public markets that also feel like, hey, there's a lot, lot of transparency and diligence that have been done. These are my risks and this is what my goals are. And that's kind of what we're trying to curate here is we don't want this random email to come and say, hey, you want to get in this deal? It's the next big thing. You know, we're saying, hey, we've really done a lot of diligence, our whole team, and we have, you know, in different locations now we're in, um, you know, a headquarters in Columbus. We have an office in Chicago. We have an office in Raleigh, and we probably have one or two opening up soon. And, and that's a whole nother story of organic growth. We don't, we're not like putting a, um, a dart in a city and saying, let's end up there. It's just great people are popping up and really like our mission. So we now, our network of experienced people and different communities are really helping our philosophy of being loud and active. So when we invest in a company, we now have all these obstacles being torn down that I was telling you, we now anticipate. And so that helps investors understand why we're trying to mitigate as much risk as we can. Why do you think it's important that physicians get involved in this is either venture, is either LPs, limited partners, or is either entrepreneurs? Well, what do you think that does to the physician ecosystem? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, I think our medical degree and what we utilize it for is very limited. It's limited in a system of clinical care in a system that's not built by us or built for us. And so our, our community is very frustrated, but you earned that MD or DO or, you know, you earned your professional degree. Are you utilizing to the best you can? And what I can tell you being out here now in the venture space and the entrepreneurial space is you can use it very broadly. I am impacting and influencing people in a very positive manner. It's not in a setting, a, a clinical setting, but it's in a very different setting. I'm helping people. And so I think that's a physician opportunity, number one, to utilize their degree much broader. Number two, I think when I look at a hardworking physician that's been working for 25 years and they're doing the same thing, even if they're fulfilled and enjoy it, are they having their money also create wealth for them? Or are they going to need to work for the salary or however they're getting compensated? And that's foundationally to me is just creating something today that's going to multiply tomorrow. And that's time and that's money. And that's what I really get passionate about to teach physicians because I, I, Knowing what I know now, when I see a physician who's been working for 30 years and they're still working their tail off and they say, you know, five more years, I'm almost there. I've been, I've been saving for retirement. That's great. I mean, that's fine. That's a fulfilling job. But could they have gotten there quicker or broader? And perhaps could they have given them some time to do other things instead of think of this as it's a clock to end their, their work first and then enjoying later on? So it's just that kind of mindset that's shifted for myself. Yeah, it's funny. I, for whatever reason, I don't recall why, but I realized, and probably Asdeej is the same, in, unless we're there, we're not making money. Yeah. So I needed to figure out a way to make money when I wasn't in the ED. So, you know, for a long time, like a lot of people, I worked, you know, I had a couple of different companies, but I worked a lot of ED shifts. Yeah. I'm not, I'm probably six or eight a month, which is, which is good. I still get to do cool stuff and make a difference individually. But, but I have partners and friends who are literally, as you said, just grinding it out day after day to retirement. And then I was like, well, that's great. But at some point, you're going to be like, well, crap, now I'm too old to do anything I should have been doing you know, the whole way. That's exactly right. And, and even if things happen, right, something happens in your family, et cetera, I've heard my partners say, well, 
I have to go to work. I have to, you know, it's, it's almost like you worked your tail off to become this, but now you're working your tail off to end. And it's like, when, when is that break? And I'll tell you in a corporate world or in another ladder outside in the business community, you're climbing the ladder. So eventually let's say you're potentially managing more than you're doing. Your skill set doesn't need to be used every single day. And so you have the benefit of using your brain and experience to still move forward, not necessarily the, the skills, immediate skill sets or your hands. And physicians don't have that, or at least they're not set up to use that. That's how I see it. I do not want people to just leave the hospital and there's no clinical care. I just want physicians, number one, I mean, physicians need to be fulfilled and they need to be not burned out, right? That's like been accelerated over the last couple of years. So I'm really worried about our field and I'm worried about hospitals being empty. So how do you sustain our field of medicine? And my thought process is start thinking a little broader, start giving more options for fulfillment, and then also start thinking about adding, you know, financial savviness and investment education so we can kind of propel ourselves forward like many others are doing. Yeah, it's funny how many friends I have who think they're pigeonholed. Like, oh my God, I can only do one thing. I'm like, no, you're a physician. You are, you have resilience and grit and intelligence. And if you got this far, you can get anywhere you want to go. Just like you said, you just have to realize I've got to put some work in and some effort, but I can definitely get there. So yeah. I, I agree. So what, what advice do you have for physicians in, or, you know, soon to be physicians in medical school or residence, given now what you know? Yeah. And in fact, I, I gave a talk to a medical school yesterday and I, I actually talked to a lot of medical students because I feel like that is a really good time to start talking about these concepts. Number one, you will not be fulfilled by this career only. Yeah, Which, I, say the same, I say the same thing. It looks like someone shot their puppy when I say it. <laughs> yeah, that is a fact. I absolutely thought that was the end of all. That's not a that's not bad news. That's just like be aware. So number one, having that awareness. And what does that do? That starts preparing yourself with different skills. So when that happens, not if, but when, it's not this big like holy crap, I'm 15 years in. I'm not feeling like this is my job, even though I now am paid off debt and I'm earning good money and I'm this credible person in society. Why am I feeling this way? And so you will feel that way. And in fact, I actually think human nature, many professionals feel that way. Um, It's just, I think physicians are more surprised than others because we were never told that. So now that you know this truth, what do you do? Start learning skill sets. Again, talk why you would invest. Learn about basic finance. What a dollar paid on a cup of coffee. Well, now it's like $5 paid on a cup of coffee. What that can do for you if you were to put it somewhere else. These are things that I really never heard about. Still, I don't think they really talk about as much. And so I'm trying to formalize a process. Um, there's There's a platform we have coming out in a month called Beyond Physician, which is about learning skill sets courses, doing non-clinical jobs. And the non-clinical jobs is not just to earn money because I do think that's important, but even bigger where I get excited, it's using different parts of your brain and justifying and validating to yourself that you can do other things. And to me, that becomes a form of empowerment so you can just feel better about yourself. And that's what we need. We just need to feel better about ourselves, whatever stage you're in, especially after the last couple of years. Totally. I would always say, you know, emergency medicine is recession proof and it probably is, but it wasn't COVID proof. I mean, there are so many EM physicians now un or underemployed. And I think they all had this, you know, quote unquote, come to Jesus moment. We're like, holy crap, this is not the end all and be all. 
and I better figure out something else to do because I think we were all just, we went all down this path. And like you said, at the end of the day, well, we're physicians, this is what we do for the rest of our life. And there's not a lot of other professions, I mean, probably dentists and veterinarians, but everybody else can pivot and do all sorts of things, but we're like grinding it out. And I do think, at least for me, being an entrepreneur has really helped prevent this burnout or moral injury because I get to do all sorts of other stuff. So when I go to the ED, and you know, there are some days when I want to put a gun in my mouth, but most days, 99%, I'm like, I love this shit. I mean, yeah. in somebody's airway, you know, for you, it's probably boring, but for me, 30 years later... I still love paralyzing people and, and, and managing their airway. And so I still get a kick out of that. But I can see if you did it grinding 15 days a month, you'd just be, you know, over it. Yeah. And and I actually thought I was going to continue to do a shift here and there for anesthesia, but I have not done it. And I'll tell you, I, I don't miss it. I don't know why. It was a great practice. It was a great, it's a great field. It's but I, I think now I look at my time. And the more time I can put into the the two ventures, you know, I co-founded, which I'm so passionate about. And by the way, SmileMD to this day, you know, we're in three different states at the moment and we're, we're looking at others. We've taken care of over 12, 13,000 patients. Wow. So something I co-founded with now uh, a team of uh, over 60 people employed here in Columbus. It's like, wow, we're putting energy and time into something that is helping a lot of people out there that my hospital system I used to work for was not touching. So just think about that for a second. So my mindset starts changing where if I go to work tomorrow and I do anesthesia and I see three or four patients, that's great, by the way, like that's fulfilling to many. For me, I would say, should I have spent the day building what I've been doing to affect more patients in different cities and states that we weren't touching? That's kind of how I think. I know that's a little bit unique, but that's actually what at least I justify to myself of not missing my clinical job. Well, I'm, I'm smiling because I literally, my mind thinks the same way. It's like, this is really cool helping this one patient. It'd be really cool to help a lot of patients or do, yeah. a, you know, impact a community. And so that's, yeah, I get excited about the same thing. So yeah. And yesterday, yesterday I spoke to uh, medical students and I think there was 3540 on the talk and then they recorded and are sending it out. And so I'd spent an hour and then maybe a half hour kind of answering questions, et cetera. That was incredible. And, and, and what I've been through to be able to share, I'm really hoping there's a handful of students, which I got some feedback, but wow, that was really like eye-opening for me. Like I, I know what I need to do, or I, I feel like I can go this direction and feel more confident. Like to me, that's like, wow, I just talked and influenced and impacted, potentially gave some wisdom to a lot of people that I would not have been able to do. Yeah, I'm sure you saw even, was it in person? It was actually a virtual yesterday. Virtual, I'm, but I'm sure you saw on camera some light bulbs went off in people's eyes. I love that. I'd love to see that. Every time, I'm telling you. And, and we, we also live in a world where entrepreneurship, venture capital is a very sexy thing. And so what do you do with the sexy thing? There might be some people who just want to market the crap and make a ton of money. I actually think it's an opportunity for us, especially in the physician community, to say, yes, it's sexy, but how can we make it like impactful? Like take sexy and impactful. And then that's where I think the medical degree comes in, right? We're, we're actually doing good for people in for-profit businesses. Like that's kind of the, the nerdy way I think about it. Yeah, it's, it's the balance of both of those. Okay, so switching subjects. I know you have a book coming out. And as a frustrated author myself, <laughs> what are you, crazy? These are, you know, it's writing the book, as you found out, is tough. It's, it's tough. So yeah, it's, it's called Physician Underdog. And the subtitle is Leveraging the Underdog Mentality to Move Forward. 
I, I love that. <laughs> thank you. And, and, you know, I didn't realize that becoming a physician, I would be in an underdog position, but you know, as anyone listening out there or watching out there, that's what you feel. And that's actually normal and that's okay. You actually still have all these capabilities. They're just kind of untapped. And so I write a lot about my mindset shift, you know, why I went to medicine, what changed in my mind, why I'm here, and then basically what you can do when you're out there. And I actually think it applies to a lot of people and professionals. Uh, I think physicians for sure will definitely grasp it as that makes total sense. But it's just discussing that. And I hopefully, I mean, I really hope it's just adds some value or some optimism or some inspiration to drive you to take some small steps forward. But it's, it's on a website, physicianunderdog.com. It re- releases early October. It'll be on Amazon. And there's other resources. Like people ask me, what books have I read to learn about entrepreneurship or venture? I have a, a resource list on there. I have a, a PDF that 10 medical students or, or 10 questions that medical students have asked me. And I kind of answer it in a, a way that you should know. I think it would be helpful to anyone. Um, so there's other things on there. That's very cool. Okay, so physicianunderdog.com. We'll have it in the show notes and a link to your website and a link to your book because uh, I'll be the first one that orders it because that's only a really I love the title. It's only a really cool book. Well, thank um, you. This will be awesome. Well, Naveen, thank you. This has been phenomenal. And you and I are going to be lifelong friends, whether you want to be lifelong friends or not. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> thanks for being on this. I really appreciate it. I think people get a lot out of this. Well, thank you. I appreciate it for you uh, for doing what you do. I really think having these discussions and bringing different people on, um, I think is very helpful for for the community and for people who don't even know to think this way. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another great edition of Entrepreneur Rx. To find out how to start a business and help secure your future, go to johnshufeldmd.com. Thanks for listening.